0: Welcome to the Nanotechnology Entrepreneurship Network podcast, where entrepreneurs who have transitioned ideas into the marketplace share some of the lessons that they've learned and insights on navigating the technology development pathway. I'm Lisa Friedersdorf, Director of the National Nanotechnology Coordination Office. Today, I'm joined by Jessica Winter, Professor of Biomedical Engineering and Chemical and Biomolecular Engineering at Ohio State University. In addition to her academic work, Jessica has launched a startup, Core Quantum Technologies. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your company?
1: Sure. So, um, as you said, I'm a professor in engineering, and in my research, I've been focused almost exclusively on nanotechnology at the intersection of biology. And the genesis of the company was that in the late... 2000s. We started to develop technology out of our lab that could be applied in clinical diagnostics or biomedical research. And so we started to think about how we might begin that transition. And in 2012, we took the plunge and started the company.
0: So can you talk a little bit about funding sources? I understand you've had SBIR awards. Did these help you grow your company?
1: Oh, absolutely. So the genesis of the company came after my breast cancer diagnosis when I decided that I wanted to commercialize the work in my lab. And together with some students, we entered the business plan competition at at Ohio State, which I think is a common beginning point for many academic entrepreneurs. We won the business plan competition, which was great. But most of the winnings consisted of in-kind services and not cash. So right off of the bat, we're kind of looking at how do we fund the company. And I put some of my own money in to get us going. But the very next thing we did was participate in NSF's i program. We were actually in the second cohort. Uh, we would have been in the first cohort, but my cancer diagnosis delayed our ability to participate. And the things that I learned in i were just absolutely transformational I was coming at the idea of being an entrepreneur from an academic perspective. And I really never thought about the customers. I thought more about myself and the technology and learning to go to the customer and ask them what they wanted and then designing the product to meet the customer demand was a completely novel concept for me. But our original idea was to sell them to researchers doing exactly the same research I was doing. And through i I learned that that's maybe 10 people. That's not a company. And we discovered that we could use these particles in clinical diagnostics. And that is at least a 500 million a year market, if not more. And that is a company. And so, you know, once we had settled in on where the product fit, we applied for SBIRs. We've had two phase one SBIRs on the two different products that we sell. One, which is just a quantum dot so it's just a diagnostic nanoparticle and then we have a magnetic quantum dot which can be used for both diagnostics but also cell separation so you can isolate cells from a mixture or molecules and enrich them if they're rare in that mixture and then we were recently awarded a phase 2 SDIR from nsf on that magnetic product. And so we're currently working with some collaborators at Cleveland Clinic to develop a separation device that will go with the particles that we can sell as a kit. And the immediate target application is biobanks. So often if you have a disease, they might ask you to donate blood or tissue to a biobank repository, which just holds that so that later researchers can do testing. And the problem is that that blood or tissue or serum or whatever the sample is, is going to be a pretty complicated sample. And if I only want one certain type of cell out of that tissue or blood sample, it can be challenging. And magnetic particles allow you to come in and pull out the one cell you want and then immediately analyze it from the fluorescence signal. So that is the vision.
0: So the magnetic dots both serve as a means to separate but you can also use that particle itself for the imaging?
1: Yes. So the particle is magnetic um, and that allows you to isolate the cells using magnetic purification, which is already well established in the biomedical industry, but it's not typically coupled with that fluorescent detection. So typically you would isolate the cells with the beads, magnetic beads, And then you can either get rid of the beads and then stain them diagnostically or do the diagnostic stain on top of the beads. But in that case, you can't stain the same marker the beads are bound to. With this workflow, you can do it all in one step and you can immediately analyze the sample you collected for purity.
0: So what are some of the challenges that you faced in in scaling up this technology?
1: Oh, so many, so many. um the The biggest and most important challenges were raising money and finding leadership. And unfortunately, we failed on the leadership the first times. Our first CEO, we had to let go. But we eventually got there. And so if I were giving advice, one thing I would say is be very thoughtful about who you put in place at first, and you know definitely check the references and follow up on everything which we didn't do such a great job of. So raising money is very hard and every startup faces that challenge. We were somewhat fortunate that with the business plan competition, the i money and the money that I put in, we were able to get to that first SBIR. And then from that position of strength, we were able to bring in venture capital backing, which has funded us basically since that time. But that's really the hardest piece is to get those two pieces in place. Who's going to run the company and how are we going to pay for
0: it? So as you mentioned, those are common to entrepreneurs, especially in technology-focused startups. Were there any challenges that that you found that were specific to the nanotechnology itself?
1: Yeah. One of the biggest challenges that we had is basically in reproducibility. Especially for a diagnostic product, I need it to be the same every time. I can't have it fluctuating in brightness, for example, because now I don't know if the signal is weak because the patient doesn't have much of that marker or because the particles just weren't as bright. And it turned out that these particles are very sensitive to their environment. And so the manufacturing process itself could influence the end quality of the product with even small changes. So we had to go through a very systematic optimization process to figure out exactly how to lock everything down so that every time we get the same product. And that's taken probably four years just to go through that work, which a lot of people would consider boring because it's sort of repetitive. But at the same time, that's what it takes to get a functional product. It's really exciting to make it the first time and be like, oh, my God, it works. But to make it work every time and to make it in such a way that I can sell it, I've got to put in that additional work to make it perfect. What is the best
0: advice that you received as you were maybe thinking about launching your
1: startup? I got really, really good advice out of the I-Corps program. And there were a couple of different elements there. One of the first was that the funding rate or the success rate overall, not just funding rate, sorry, the success rate, for PIs who also try to lead their own business is very low. So the message was, I can't be the CEO. I need to find someone else. And that was really important because even though we failed the first time, once we found the correct CEO, we have the right person involved. And what do I mean by that? I'm an academic. I'm a scientist. I'm an engineer. I'm not a business person. And I used to scoff at business people because I didn't understand what they did. But now I understand it's actually quite difficult. And there are so many different elements to understanding a business, to finding the right market, to understanding how to distribute a product, um, to sales and marketing and making agreements with suppliers, all of these things I know nothing about. And so having that person who can do that is critical. And then a second piece of advice that I got out of i was that you need to match your product to the customer. So I'll give you a really good anecdote. When I was in the i program, one of the applications that we considered was selling our product as a home pregnancy test. And the idea here is that it would detect if you had molecules of this HCG pregnancy hormone And the reason why it would be better than what's on the market now is because it's brighter. So this diagnostic sensitivity, you could know sooner. And I was really excited because I'm like, I've made a product that can detect as few as 10 molecules of this thing. And I, as part of ICOR, did an interview with a CEO of a biosensor company, and he asked the very simple question, how many molecules do you need to know if you are pregnant? So every woman will have a baseline level of this molecule. What is the increase that's necessary to say for sure that someone is pregnant? And I had no idea because I was thinking about it like a scientist and not like a business person. So it created this mind shift in me to really put myself in the position of the customer and think more clearly about what they would need and not how exciting and technologically brilliant my advances are. So
0: you already mentioned the importance of finding the appropriate leadership. Are there any other strategies that you engaged or decisions that you made that in hindsight you might do differently if you were to do it again?
1: I mean, there are a lot of little things. I'm not sure I really want to go into the weeds here. But I would say that when you start the company, you need everything in writing. There were some disagreements with some of the original people who did the start of who would own what and how. So, of course, you're all friends in the beginning, but you may not be at the end. So that was one piece. I think also understanding the importance of of, um, process engineering, which I worked at Intel for two years as a process engineer. So I understand what that is. It's not something that you would typically do in the lab. And understanding how important that really is for commercialization, and that goes to being able to make the same product each time. So when you're optimizing the product for commercialization, you can't change five things at once. It's gotta be one at a time, it's gotta be super controlled, and you have to validate even the raw materials coming into the process, which again, in a lab we may not really do. All of those things become critically important. Documenting everything so you can get whatever certifications may be required. In this case, it would be ISO, GMP, and FDA certification, which are um, good manufacturing practice, is the GMP. And then uh, ISO is a regulatory body that looks at how products are manufactured and that they're the same every time and that you have documentation. And then, of course, the FDA for approval.
0: So do you have advice that you would give to maybe a student who is interested in starting a company like yours?
1: In my opinion, one of the best workflows for establishing a company is for a student who's worked in an academic lab in partnership with the professor to go out and initially fill that CEO role and help translate the technology. So I would say try to get involved in some research that you think might be good to commercialize and then make your interest in entrepreneurship known. I would get involved in whatever opportunities are available on campus. So many campuses have a business builders club. They usually will have a technology commercialization office. Often that office will offer programs like, for example, we have something called Wake Up Startup where one weekend a month people meet just to pitch ideas and and try to come up with business plans. And the act of building that business side and that business acumen on top of the technology acumen is what would make you a successful entrepreneur when you leave academia and go off into that journey.